there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend and Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan Nedkarni. Rohan, how are you doing, my man? I'm good, Michael. I'm joining you from rainy and humid South Florida today. This place is, like, inhabitable during the months of June, July, and August. I'm only here visiting the dog my parents stole from me. I'm having a miserable time. There was, like, a horde of cicadas, I guess. I don't know. When I went for a walk, it's like it's like... Biblical plagues are being struck against me every day, and this is why you should never leave California. In spite of all that, you look terrific, so <laughs> no complaints. Well, well, what you can't see under this t-shirt is I'm sweating profusely, even <laughs> though I'm indoors. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So, Rohan, we have a lot to get to on today's show. First, I want to remind all of our wonderful listeners to keep sending in all their great emails um, that we've been receiving. So, uh, you know, please hit us up at openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. And we will do our best to, to continue to answer them on the show. Um, in this episode, uh, we will be covering the Suns Nuggets sweep that just ended last night, Sunday night. Um, kind of a disappointing series, not going to lie. Uh, we will also be covering the Clippers Jazz a little bit, checking in on that series. And um, I don't want to bury the lead, though, Rohan, and oh. uh, which is why we got to start with Nets Bucks. Okay. 
I would not have guessed in a million years after game two that this series would ever be tied to a piece going into game five. But somehow, miraculously, Milwaukee has tied this series up. And in game four on Sunday afternoon, Kyrie Irving landed awkwardly on Giannis Antetokounmpo's foot in the paint. Uh, badly sprained his ankle. We don't really have a status update on when he will, ret- will when he will return to the series, if he will return to the series. But it didn't look particularly good, and it was reported that he left the arena on crutches and in a walking boot. So, I guess we'll just start there, Rohan. Um, if Kyrie Irving is not one hundred percent, or can't play in a game, or misses two games, or misses three games. Who do you have winning this series all of a sudden? Well, obviously there's the James Harden factor to all of this too, but I think if Harden and Kyrie miss the next two games, I think the Bucks are winning. I don't think the Nets can win this with Durant solo, and that's nothing against Durant. The team is just not built to withstand the losses of two superstars, and not to mention they lost Spencer Dinwiddie obviously very early this season. The Bucks are winning the series, I think, if Harden and Kyrie both miss time. Now, some people think Harden's going to try to rush back. That's frankly just not been the Nets' MO this whole year. Uh, obviously, I think they've been extra cautious just given the way this weird season has been and knowing that they're putting their eggs in the playoff basket. But if Kyrie and Harden can't go, I think the Bucks are winning this series. And that's not because the Bucks have been particularly impressive to me, to be honest. I just think it's it's going to be, yeah, this has been a series of attrition. And I think if if Kyrie's missing two games, I, that ankle sprain looked bad, man. His ankle was parallel to the ground. It was rough. I don't know how he walked off the court, to be honest. I Harden, they've been so vague about it to the extent that I think it's got to be pretty bad. I mean, right hamstring tightness isn't a diagnosis. That's not a, It's not quite an injury. Like, I think they're being very coy about that for a reason the fact that he's re-aggravated the hamstring this is me just straight up playing podcast doctor right now too which i'm sure people love uh, but yeah man I, I i like the bucks chances just because i i don't see irving and harding coming back soon let alone it's going to be difficult for them to be effective right away also you bringing up Harden is really interesting because I've just written him off for the series. I don't know mm. when he's coming back. I do not anticipate him coming back anytime soon, as you pointed out. Um, and I think we covered in an earlier episode the fact that he restrained the hamstring does not that's not that does not lead us to any optimistic belief that he's going to come back, given how long he was out. Um, initially with that hamstring. It was like a, a, over a month, I want to say, towards the end of the regular season. And I'm sure they were just being cautious, but I think he re-aggravated it like in a practice or something like that too. So that seems to be pretty problematic. And um, so I've just ruled Harden out of the equation. But mm. Kyrie is much more interesting and be- because it was much more sudden. And... You kind of got a glimpse of what this Nets team looks like when it just has Kevin Durant as its one star, and it wasn't the very irony pretty. of the irony of people waiting like five years to see this version of Kevin Durant again, and it was like, oh man, this is what this looks like. Yeah, and you know, there's been a little bit of talk of you know going forward, can KD you know, will the Nets to victory in the same way that LeBron 
tried really desperately to do in the can, 2015 can I, finals. Can, oh, can I nip, nip that in the bud real quick? Oh, okay. If you want to compare it to the 2015 finals, yeah. that's fair. But I just want to throw out that anyone who wants to bring up KD and, oh, what's it like as the lone star, etc. This is not a fair assessment of that situation. I just want to stop any of that chatter because this team is not built around Kevin Durant. This team is built around Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. And with two of those three guys gone, this is not this is not going to lead to some kind of fair assessment on Kevin Durant. Now, the 2015 finals, that is interesting because LeBron was also out two max guys. And him winning two games in that series was pretty impressive. He was superhuman. And yeah. I think my my point is just don't compare people to LeBron. Like it's just <laughs> KD is is incredible and might be the best player alive right now. His style is not the same as LeBron's. He wasn't built mm-hmm. to run, you know, 50 pick and rolls or post up 50 times and it's just it's not the same. He's um, not the kind of guy who can kind of dictate the flow and pace of a game in the way LeBron does. Right. He's terrific yeah. um and we yeah. will see the ball in his hands a lot, I think. Um, in game five, assuming Kyrie doesn't go, but we'll also see pin downs. We'll see, you know, him running off flare screens. Um, well, can I turn the question to you? Cause you put oh, me on the spot. Well, wait, sure. wait, I'm waiting for your answer. Yeah. Let's hear it. I mean, no, if Kyrie doesn't play again, no, it's all <laughs> over. What do, you, what do you mean? It's like, I don't mean to, you know, it's like coming into this. I go back to coming into this series and how competitive and tight. I thought it was going to be. I, I ultimately <laughs> picked the Nets to win in six, but I thought that the series would be pretty close. And I think game two was a total stunner in terms of just how inept Milwaukee looked offensively. Mm-hmm. And as the series has progressed a little bit, even though their shots haven't necessarily fallen um, as much as I thought that they would have, I like some of the things that Milwaukee has done. Um, offensively to give themselves really? some breathing room to give well let me okay so I think that the big thing here is if you don't have Kyrie and you don't have Harden then you're less concerned defensively with the lineups that you play so we're going mm-hmm. to see more Bryn Forbes we're going to see more Pat Connaughton or Those two- 45 minutes of Brooke Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I actually, I mean, like in game four, in game three, we did see a lot of that, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, they were able to prevail. I wrote about that. You wrote about that. Um, I think Brooke, he's kind of a gift and a curse. and we can- he's, he's become a little bit of a scapegoat. And I thought you wrote something that was very fair about him kind of he has moments where bud looks like a genius for keeping him on the floor you you brought up i thought a great point about how towards the end of game three he was playing maybe a step or two up than he normally does on some of the pick and rolls i just have been really disappointed in the bucks in this series and they're you know they're lucking out a little bit with these injuries and that's fine. That's a part of the playoffs. I'm not here for like asterisk talk, etc. It's just been frustrating to watch them run into some of the same problems they have in years past, especially when this year they went to the trouble of trying to modernize the roster. Drew Holiday, who I thought was maybe the best player in the first round of the playoffs, has not had the same level of effectiveness in the second round. Middleton, obviously, you know, 
and it's just been it's just been frustrating to watch them offensively. I thought that they they are so fortunate to have won game three, which looking back now was a massive, massive game considering the injuries mm-hmm. and how close they were to losing that. I mean, the conversation around Giannis, if they had lost that game and him taking all those threes he took, like this has just been a, a fascinating series. And I, I just find myself coming away disappointed in Milwaukee, even though right now I think they're going to advance. Okay, so... There are a lot of things that I want to talk about with the Bucks, but I think that it's great to kind of um, uh, uh, get to them after this perfectly timed email from one of our listeners, Kyle. Um, he wrote this last week, actually, but it's so good that I, I think we can uh, get to it right now. Uh, so Kyle writes, um, is Coach Bud the NBA coach equivalent of NBA League Pass? Neither <laughs> one has ever changed despite glaring issues. Tonight's loss against the Nets is almost as embarrassing as being the, quote, tech-savvy pro sports league and having a streaming platform that just completely sucks, year after year, in almost every way imaginable. Um, Kyle, tell the people what you really think about NBA League Pass. (laughs) Shout Um, out to Kyle, man. (laughs) I I continue. Uh, Selfishly, I'm just hoping that if enough people complain about how truly terrible NBA League Pass is, they may just make it better. Also, I'm a thousand percent sure Bud will get fired if the Bucks continue to play the same and never try anything new ever. It is baffling, maddening, outrageous, and most upsettingly, completely predictable. So obviously that was written, I believe, after game two, I want to say, that Kyle wrote that email. And thank you, Kyle. That was wonderful. Um, NBA League Pass is frustrating. I agree. Uh, Rohan, uh, real quick, I just want to say, Kyle, Adam Silver does a press conference every year at the All Star break, mm-hmm. and I just got to say, it's been my dream to ask him about League Pass at that press conference. I just, I just know it's like there's too many other journalists in the room. Everyone's gonna be like, "Why are you asking about this right now?" Uh, but just know, Kyle, that we hear you, we feel you, we're living the same life. Like it's we we got to get Silver on the record about it because it's an awful product. I it is again I agree it is a little bit frustrating. <laughs> um okay so Rohan what do you I mean there's a lot of strategic things that I, I want to get to after I get this mm-hmm. answer from you but what do you think it will take for the Bucks to keep Budenholzer and what do you think it would take for them to let him go? I mean obviously the scenarios are you know you lose this series uh, you reach the finals, you win it all, uh, or you lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, like, what is, what scenario do you see where they actually look at everything that happened in this postseason and are like, okay, yeah, bud, you can you can stay? Well, first of all, I just like to say I don't really love advocating for any coach to lose their job. That's not like that's not fun for me. That's not why you know watch basketball, etc. Soft. I would hope that. <laughs> <laughs> Pete is out here like fire everyone. Uh, maybe they need to get Harala Bob in the front office to tell Bud how to run oh. his rotations. <laughs> um, I, having said all that, I like Bud, and he's obviously been a really successful coach. I think that if they don't make the finals, I have a hard time imagining he's going to stick around. I, I think anything short of a finals trip. They need to make a change, and that's always the obvious one. I mean, you saw the Clippers do it last year. It's just kind of the low-hanging fruit. And with Giannis locked up, they're at least the front office is in the position where they can tinker, 
in other areas and, and not have to worry as much about, you know, keeping the superstar under contract, et cetera. Obviously, they'd get Giannis's input, whatever hire they make next, if they were in that position. But I don't think he's going to survive this year, especially now with all the injuries um, and with the changes the front office made. I'm sure the front office is like, hey, we gave you the roster this year. We gave you the pieces, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if he survived anything short of a finals trip. I don't even think they have to win the finals, but if they didn't make it this year, I'd be very surprised if he was coaching the team next season. Speaking like where we are right now, I I think I agree with you, especially if Kyrie doesn't come back. I mean, if you lose Mm -hmm. to just the KD Nets, then what are we even talking about? Because next year, it's like that team's not going anywhere. And next year, they're presumably going to be healthy and all those three All-Stars will be there. And you have no chance because you have no route to um, meaningfully improve your roster with how it's been constructed. So I think that the one thing that you can do is change the head coach and maybe get a little bit more creative with how you're kind of implementing your rotation and your style of play and all that. My biggest takeaway from game three was that, um, and I wrote about this right after the game, was that Bud essentially played Giannis the entire first quarter instead of giving him the traditional mid-first-quarter-ish breather that he likes to do and has done in in basically every single playoff game since he's been Giannis's head coach. And then in Game 4, we saw that breather. We also saw, and this is why I get a little bit frustrated when it comes to conversations about Giannis's minutes, um, we also saw Giannis not on the court to start the second quarter. And... That was kind of stunning because Giannis always starts the second quarter in the game. Um, And Rohan, you'll never believe what happened, but Giannis is sitting for 90 seconds to start the second quarter. The Nets go on an 8-0 run. Giannis gets subbed back in. He shifts to the 5, which is a point that I was trying to make a little bit earlier. And the Bucks go on a 19-2 run. And then Kyrie gets hurt, and then the game kind of falls apart for the Nets. And they also didn't really stick with Giannis at center as long as I thought they would. Like, as soon as people started pointing it out, like they brought a center back on the floor. Right. But anyway, it, I'm sorry. I no, it, 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 I think that the roster is not ideally constructed to play Giannis mm. at the five, and that is That's the true, dilemma. especially with DiVincenzo hurt. Especially with DiVincenzo hurt. Especially with DiVincenzo hurt. That's exactly right. Um, so I think you can get by a little bit more with uh, Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton. Mm-hmm. without Kyrie or Harden. But at the same time, all of a sudden, you're sacrificing your defense. Um, and maybe you don't need to. So it's it, you can switch more and all that, and that's wonderful. But I don't I don't know, because like Brooke Lopez, we just discussed all of his faults and some of the things he does well. I mean, he's being guarded by... Bruce Brown, and you don't give him a post touch. It's, it's just like some stuff. He just doesn't like, even stand near the paint. He doesn't even stand near the paint. He's he's on he's on the he's not even in the corner. He's like above the break threes against Bruce Brown. It's wild to watch. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you can't really have Brooke necessarily um, like bum rush the offensive glass because your whole floor balance will get um, affected that way, and nobody wants the Nets to face the Nets in transition. That's just certain death. So it's like, okay, you're right. You have to position Brooke above the break so that he can get back and transition the other way. But it's like, okay, he's taking a shot that he's not like a great um, non-corner three-point shooter. Like it's not, 
Like he'll hit them, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Most of them are open. Like they don't yeah. defend him. Bruce Brown is trying to stop all of Giannis's so, drives. He's helping in and all the all of that. Somebody, action. somebody from 2002 woke up from a coma and was like, put on an NBA playoff <laughs> game and is watching Brook Lopez and Giannis and is like, what in the world is going on here? Like. It it really is fascinating to watch. But no, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, you can't even, you know, try to kill the offensive boards because you just can't let Brooklyn run. You have no chance to defend them there. Yeah, it's tough. So, you know, we've been talking about the Bucks a good amount, and I think to a certain degree they are the story here because they are the favorite. I think we agree, assuming, again, that, that they stay healthy and assuming that well, overall, overall, because I feel like I've made it pretty clear, I'm lukewarm on them. How do you feel about the way they performed the series? Because I think we both thought it would be a close series headed in. I think, I, I think you mentioned this, like this could be the real NBA Finals. Like there was a lot of hype, a lot of people were sprinkling a lot of masala on this series. I was one of those people. <laughs> um, how have you felt so far? Because I've been, I've yeah, I've been a little disappointed. I mean, it's impossible to watch this series and not be like, what is Milwaukee doing on offense? That's I think that that is the standard reaction to anyone when they watch them throughout the regular season. And, you know, you saw a little bit in games three and four, more than in the previous two, where, okay, Giannis is like their designated role man. He's he's <laughs> screening for Drew a ton, and he's screening yeah. for Chris Middleton a ton. They're just not getting the right, like the the shots that they want out of that, and in particular the open threes. And you know, I don't know how much Giannis's free throw shooting is impacting his mindset right now. He's shooting fifty one percent from the free throw line. Uh, you know, taking fifteen seconds for every shot. And you know, one of the reasons why I never watched a Bucks game live throughout the entire regular season was because I can't stand his free throw routine. <laughs> like if I can't fast forward through it, then I don't. I'm not. I'm not doing it because I know I'll pick up my phone and just get so distracted. And then... he, uh, man, he should be fined. Like he should be fined every time he shoots a three. It, I thought Van Gundy, rightfully, is just is like every time he shoots a three, he's like, I don't get it. It's befuddling. Uh, yeah. The I think only- it was Nate Jones who tweeted this, and I, it was, like, really eye-opening. But it would be like if Shaq, in 2001, was pulling up for three, like, five times a game. You'd be like, what are you doing? You're Shaq, you know? And that's what it's like every time Giannis shoots a three. It is very – it's bizarre. I, I Like, the only explanation that I have is the free throw line, and he, he's yeah. weary of going to the block. Or, or he's weary of trying to go up against the new Ben Wallace, Blake Griffin. No, yo, that I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's a great segue into the next question I want to ask you. Yeah. But at first, I would just want to quickly make this point, which is like, even if no one is guarding Giannis and he's behind the three point line, um, either straight away or just non corner, it's like all you need is you know they ran this this action on the very first play of Game Four where Drew Holiday sets a back screen and then he runs up for a DHO and the Nets screw up the switch. And Holiday is wide open for a three that he misses, but no one's guarding Giannis. So run the DHOs that, you know, Draymond Green used to run these with mm. Steph and Clay a ton, and you get wide open looks. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Heat do it with Bam. It, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So just be a little more patient. Um, mm-hmm. Those threes are tough. So yeah. please stop them, I, I, Right. One thing I'll say it is funny because sometimes, it, like you mentioned, like they'll get an open Drew three. Or they'll get an open Chris Middleton pull up, 
and they'll the process will be great and they'll miss a shot and it feels like the bucks go away from it so quickly if they don't get the outcome even though the process was right and perfectly got the shot they wanted it's just frustrating but anyway right and i i you know we're not there so we don't know what bud is saying to right. the team we don't know what bud is saying privately to Giannis about those shots what Giannis is you know responding to bud with so you know we're yeah the- lastly <laughs> I, I won't throw this out there. I don't think these are things that Bud has never thought about, right? Like, I don't think we're breaking not. news yeah. to Bud. And, I, you know, one thing I'll say is it's so easy on Twitter to, like, play the low-hanging fruit card and, like, drop in the Giannis Rollman points for possession stats and be like, yeah, just spam this play. There are a lot of complicated dynamics that go into this scenario in terms of what the star wants, like, there's so many reasons why coaches maybe don't always do the obvious thing, like play Anthony Davis at center or run Giannis as the role man every play. Like it's, it really is not that simple. So I don't want to sit here and be like, yeah, you and I clearly have all the answers and <laughs> Bud's never thought about it, but it is. Yeah. It's just, you watch it and you're shocked every time they keep going to, you know. No, but I, like all, all, all we can do is, judge and criticize what we see on the surface and it's very you know it is just the upper crust of everything that goes on but i hope that our listeners understand that that with that caveat we don't need to make it every single time we make a a, a criticism (laughs) um so yeah you mentioned blake griffin and so i want to ask like we're gonna again we're assuming that Kyrie does not play um leaving the arena in crutches on a walking boot typically you know then gets on a plane not good for a sprained ankle Mm-hmm. So you're Steve Nash, Rohan. Put on your Steve Nash mask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who should start in uh, Kyrie's place? And just what are you doing strategically, I guess, to try to make up for the loss of two all-NBA caliber offensive players in your rotation? Yeah, I really wonder if you just got to play like a high-variance game put like start sham it and just be like we're shooting 73s in game five and seeing what happens like maybe we hit eight of them maybe we hit 36 of them i think you kind of want to turn this into not necessarily a track meet but try to see if you can get like a a weird variance game i because i don't know that they have an obvious answer i did bring up blake it's interesting I, i don't know if something's come out and maybe i missed it but like griffin was missing for a lot of the second half Mm-hmm. In game four, he was having like one of the the most memorable games of his career there for a little bit. He's been shockingly Slight, good. I thought slightly he, hyperbolic with that comment. Slightly but, hyperbolic. Okay, yes. fair enough. I, I, it just was. Uh, I didn't think he was going to move the needle at all. Like I remember doing a video uh, for Sports Illustrated, me like, yeah, Blake Griffin's not going to be the difference between the Nets winning or not winning a title. He might end up being a little bit of the difference. Uh, just the way he's played in the series, defended Giannis. But I, I don't know that they have an obvious answer, but my thing would just be like, I, I'm putting up a ton of threes. I'm letting Durant shoot as much as he wants. And I think that's the route you want to go and, and see if you can kind of, you know, the last couple games have been played a little bit more in the mud as they say, and I think that Brooklyn should try to turn it into a little bit more of a can you outshoot us? Because I think the Bucks actually have struggled in that area so far. That's an interesting um, read on it. <laughs> I think no, it's not. It's not wrong. I don't, you know, there's no wrong answers here. Um, I look at 
you know, so if you start Shamit, then I guess like KD is your point guard or you're running offense through Blake at the high post or um, I don't. You're clearly I, about to give a very sophisticated answer. No. So I feel like <laughs> here's what I feel like. Whereas I'm like, yeah, shoot a lot of threes. So I feel like you let let's I feel like you you you've clearly put a lot of thought into this. No, I, I don't know. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. You know, Mike James is obviously there mm-hmm. um, and he's played OK, a little out of control at times when he's not um, cognizant of the fact that he is Mike James. <laughs> but like, do you start him or do you and if I was Steve Nash, honestly, and I see the drawback to this, I would I would think about starting Jeff Green because mm. I think I need size. I think I, mean, I need he can, and and he's he's been a good spacer lately too. It's not a bad idea. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, he's yeah, he's um a plenty capable outside threat. But I'm worried about my um my defense. Um if mm. I'm Steve Nash. Uh you know, the offense in the last two games has been really bad, but I'm never I'm never gonna worry about offense mm-hmm. as long as I have I still have even like we haven't mentioned Joe Harris's name, and Joe Harris has yeah. kind of been a disappearing act. The past yeah. two games, if he gets hot, this team just looks completely different. So um, I like like I tweeted this uh, during game four, but Brooklyn's defense, which was the big question mark coming into the postseason and has played OK, it was just kind of wretched um, for stretches <laughs> after Kyrie went down. And so, I, you know, I tweeted that they turned back into a pumpkin and I think Jeff Green can help there in a in a lot of ways, and he's a very disciplined defender. I think he took two charges. One of them was overturned. I think it was challenged by yeah. Bud. So, what does your starting five look like for Game Five? Oof. Uh, okay, so Harris and Durant are in there. Harris, yeah, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Blake, Jeff Green, and Bruce Brown. I think is probably okay. my starting five. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm with you that Brooklyn needs. I guess the way I look at it is no matter what they do, they're not going to have a great answer defensively. And like maybe Shamit was an aggressive thought, but I'm just looking at it as like, (laughs) I would almost count on Milwaukee's like frustrating offense. Like Milwaukee just feels like they're stepping on their own feet on offense. So yeah, like let them keep doing that and seeing if you can, you know, outshoot them is kind of my thinking, but I mean, maybe that's, too simplistic probably is i'm sure bud would would suss that out you'd like to think at least but yeah i'm i kind of look at it the other way where it's like you know your defense is bad so lean into what you're good at right i i i I hear that that's a really good point i Mm -hmm. think that you don't want to overreact too much to the first two games offensively mm-hmm. if you're Milwaukee. There's some things that they did that were really bad. You know, they got bogged down in ISO ball. But also, mm-hmm. Chris Middleton just yeah. missed every shot. You're going to lose if Chris mm-hmm. Middleton misses every That's just like uh, Drew yeah. Holiday is shooting like 36% in the whole series. Like, if Drew Holiday gets hot all of a sudden, you got to help on the drives. Bryn Forbes is wide open. Bryn Forbes hits six threes, and you win by 25 points. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not too concerned about Milwaukee's offense. I mean, it has not looked great, but I just think that Brooklyn's defense is very, very problematic, especially when you they don't have the offensive firepower. And, you know, one of the things that made them really good on defense is that 
their offense is so good and they're basically able to set it up in the half court whenever they want. They'll mm-hmm. get to the free throw line or they'll make a bucket. And unless KD has like a 60-point performance, I think that's going to be pretty difficult, honestly. So I'd be really focused on the defensive end if I were them. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Rohan, do you have anything more to say about this series or can we move on to uh, to Suns Nuggets? Let's move on. Okay, awesome. Life's about moving forward, baby, you know? That's right. And guess who's moving yeah. forward? Uh, <laughs> Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Um you wrote a little bit about this on the site, so I'm going to kind of defer to you and your thoughts. Um, big picture, obviously, the Nuggets lost. They've been swept. I, you know, I actually thought that the series was going to be very competitive, mm-hmm. and it was not competitive uh, at all, really. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that that we can get into. But just w- focusing first on the Nuggets – um, do they actually need to like do anything to their roster this summer or are you just fine with them pretty much literally rolling everything back and just keeping the same coaching staff, the same uh, front office, the same roster and just hoping for better health in 2022? So I have a little bit of a spicy take for you today. When I saw yes. this question, I was yes. like, this is my moment. I love it. First, I just want to say... I think the Nuggets overachieved in the playoffs considering the injuries they had. This series almost said more about the Blazers than it did the Suns and the Nuggets. The mm. fact that Denver moved on. They I mean they were starting a guy who was cast off from the Knicks and Faku Composo in the backcourt, and it was they had no business beating a team with Dame and CJ. And 
I sometimes in the playoffs, like you run into a, a such a bad matchup that I'm surprised there aren't more sweet. Like the Suns just had a better team and a better matchup and they exploited it. And that was that. Like there was just, there weren't answers. Here's what I'll say about the Nuggets. This okay. is what I'm doing if I'm, if I'm sitting next to Tim Connolly. Uh, true story. One time I asked from Con- Tim Connolly if I could make a trade call from his phone and he said no. Uh, <laughs> so if he is listening to my advice this time, I think first, yes, like you don't want to, Jamal is healthy. This is maybe a different conversation. I do think they really need to get someone in the in the starting lineup whose primary role is to defend. <laughs> okay, like they've had a weird like their backcourts have been too small and their front courts have been too big for the last few years, and they've never really had a proper small forward. Like even Aaron Gordon, who played that role this year, I think he's better as a four than a three. Mm. And uh, you know they've started Will Barton at small forward for so long. I just don't think it makes sense. So what do you do? You have a little bit of a logjam. Every time I think about the Nuggets, I come back to: Should they be thinking about trading Michael Porter Jr.? And I think it's a little bit unfair to say that he had a bad series because he did hurt his back in Game One, so he definitely wasn't very healthy. Obviously, the entire balance of this team was thrown off once Jamal went down. And not only that, they were missing Barton for the first couple games. Even P.J. Dozier would have helped them a lot this series. I just, and I know they were playing really well in the regular season with MPJ and Aaron Gordon in the starting lineup. As a long-term playoff fit, we saw it play out a little bit in the playoffs. I just don't know that I love it. And I don't know that... MPJ is the greatest fit alongside Murray and Jokic. I I just don't know that he he fits into what they do. I don't know that he slots in nicely as kind of a third option. I, I just keep coming back to if they were to somehow move him. Now, granted, he's on his rookie deal, which actually kind of makes it disadvantageous for them to go star hunting with him. But can they kind of bring in pieces that fit better around their two stars and bring more balance to their lineup. And and he's just kind of the obvious answer. So if I'm the Nuggets this summer, I'm low-key looking into, you know, what can we get for MPJ? Because I think he's obviously their most, you know, desirable quote-unquote asset, if that's the word you like to use. But, you know, if they were going to try to bring, I think, more cohesion to that starting lineup, they're going to need defense. I think we saw that against the Suns. They're going to need another two-way guy. I think he's the obvious person you would move. So this is aggressive, but <laughs> totally fair. I wrote about Michael Porter Jr.'s defense, um, like within the that was like the first or second month of the season. Um, I was really proud of this tweet, but I said his defensive stance looks like an old man walking down the stairs. <laughs> um, good tweet. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You you know, I have not seen any improvement from him on the defensive end since, um, like any consistent improvement on the defensive end since I wrote that, that piece. And we saw it throughout the playoffs. I mean, whoever he was defending would set a high ball screen and the offense would just, like, the eyes would light up. It was like a slot machine, 
you know, all are cherries good in a slot machine? Do you want cherries? I don't even know. <laughs> but it was just like they they won every single time. It was like we're 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 pulling the lever and good things are going to happen to us. Jackpot. And that was that was the offensive strategy from Robert Covington setting ball screens for Dame Lillard and Dame Lillard just cooking Michael Porter Jr. to Chris Paul having um whoever you know Mikhail Bridges uh, uh it could be let, Tory correct it could be whoever they're trying to hide Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. on and he would um be drawn up into the action and Reggie Miller was like merciless on the broadcast in Game Four <laughs> just uh you know pointing out that MPJ was reluctant to switch, which was just, you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, killing them. So, so I, people point to Jokic as a lot of the reasons for their defensive struggles. We've seen Jokic in differing situations hold up pretty well. I mean, they've played the Blazers twice. Obviously, Dame has gone off, but it's not like... Jokic can hold up in a playoff series, I think. To me, when the Nuggets were at their best defensively, they've never been great, but they've had pockets of good defense over these last couple of years. It's when Paul Millsap was a couple years younger. It was when Gary Harris was healthy. And they just did a great job scrambling, you know, behind Jokic, kind of surviving those, you know, five on four, four on three situations, you know, playing a pretty aggressive style, like something out of like 2013 where, you know, Jokic is scrambling way out past the three-point line and they're kind of depending on everyone behind him to scramble and cover. Mm -hmm. They've had some success with that. That's not going to happen, I don't think, frankly, with MPJ in the starting lineup. And I think they need to, you know, those are the kinds of guys they need to target, people who can help them on the weak side, people who can help them on kind of those secondary rotations, scrambling, etc. And yeah, you're, you're right. Like, Reggie was right. You're right. Like, you know, MPJ is just dying on screens. He doesn't want to switch. And it just it triggers so many problems. And it's like, you know, it snowballs every possession. I think the dilemma there is okay so let's say they want to go nuclear and actually trade michael porter jr i mean paul Millsap is i think his contract is up um mm-hmm. Michael green i believe is a player option uh, will barton also has a player option but we'll see what happens there um so there's a, piece, a few you know rotational pieces that could be in flux here in the offseason mm-hmm. but going back to michael porter jr real quick if you are serious about moving him and defense is your concern, who on earth are you moving him for? I don't like if I were to move Michael Porter Jr., I would want um, like a Brad Beal in return, right? 100%. And there's yeah. not a lot of players out there who, um, you know, like ideally the player that I'm thinking of is like Paul George. The Clippers are not yeah. going to do a trade like that. The Clippers, who, by the way, could have just drafted Michael Porter Jr., but decided <laughs> not to. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I, th- th- I think that that is where – I mean, and we're being very critical of Michael Porter Jr., who mm. is a volcano on offense already. And, and had a good season and had a really good season and stepped up when Jamal Murray got hurt. Like, right. this, isn't a, this isn't a Michael Porter Jr.'s terrible take. It's a, you know, when you're – Building a championship team, these are the tough decisions and the tough crossroads you come up against. And it's how do we maximize our window? I think there's a little bit of an opening right now. <laughs> what they need to find, and I I probably should have looked through and thought of more guys like this, but like they need to find the middle ground between Paul George and who we thought Otto Porter was, if that makes sense. 
where's the where's the like three and D guy that's you know not quite Paul George, but you know not quite Bruce Bowen. You know what I mean? They need so Jeremy Grant. They, <laughs> they need they need a but they need like Jeremy Grant, but one inch shorter and twenty pounds heavier. Mm. It's I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I mean, Aaron Gordon yeah. kind of also fits that. Yeah, that archetype. But he's not the shooter. And then that I mean, we saw right. that in this series. Unfortunately for for Denver, they, they needed a lot more out of him um, offensively. I don't think he made a three in the entire series. Um, yeah, Aaron Gordon had a rough. You know, people are gonna I think get on him a little bit, but. Aaron Gordon was a guy who was playing great when they had the full roster and was thriving in his role and then was thrust in one that I didn't think he wasn't prepared to play for this team. And I think he's going to have – he strikes me as someone who's a way better fit next to Murray and Jokic than MPJ, even though he's obviously not as talented as a scorer. But he just makes more sense. They need they, they need a second Aaron Gordon, really, is what they need. Don't we all? Um... <laughs> don't we all, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so actually, you know what just popped into my head, but I don't think this is going to happen, and I'm kind of scared to say it out loud, but Jalen Brown would be a player that if I was, ooh, um, ooh. I, would, I would look at that for a Michael Porter Jr. trade, but I'm not going to, mm. I just want to, Jalen you know, would love Denver. Jalen would love Denver. Great city. Yeah, Jalen loves Boston, yeah. so back off. That's true, yeah. Um, no, he does, he does. Yes, he does. Okay, so, you know, we just talked about the Nuggets for a little bit, and Suns fans are, um probably a little upset that we're not giving them their due and we should because the suns are tremendous they have uh they completely decimated denver in this series um deandre ayton was a revelation to me he is the revelation of the entire postseason agreed he is is changing um uh in like before our eyes in in my opinion he's changing just Mm -hmm. what the ceiling is of this team now and going forward so shout out to him Uh, he's made a lot of money these last few weeks Yes, a lot of players. <laughs> I tweeted this out last night. A lot of players on the Suns are making a lot of money, and Robert Sarver is the Alonzo Morning gif on the bench. <laughs> um, but I want to ask, and I don't mean to de- be disrespectful at all uh, to Phoenix. I think Phoenix is like one of my favorite type of teams in that every role player sure. complements the star. The stars. James Jones and, did an outstanding job, and I, yes. I wrote about him for yes. the site. But he's done an incredible job. Yeah. Yes, um, brilliant team construction. Everyone in, uh, who contributes has a purpose. Everyone fits. Everyone is in their own lane. It is awesome. If they win the title, it'll just speak so much to, um, you know, like, I don't know if Phoenix is a small market. I guess they're a small market. Is that, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. But, like, it just speaks to, okay, we're going to build through the draft. And when we're ready, we're going to add, um, an all-star caliber piece and that's going to be enough and so we don't need necessarily free agency um veterans they're like will the nba's dream they're like the nba's dream they just really built a true team but i i know what question you're gonna ask and i'll let you get to it because it's a good question okay thank you so my question is how much have we actually learned about the suns considering you know in the first round and I know Chris Paul got hurt. Okay. I know that. Um, Anthony Davis is, um, should be a perennial MVP candidate and he just won the NBA <laughs> finals. So he's, he's kind of in a different, um, playing field and his groin injury, obviously he couldn't even go for the, the back half of that series. 
Um, so given all the injury issues that their opponents have had, um, you know, AD, uh, KCP, but kind of not to the same degree, obviously. And then in this series, you know, Denver, as you said at the top, they're missing Jamal Murray. They were missing Will Barton for the first half of the series. They didn't have PJ Dozier. They just had a lot of injuries up and down the roster. And it was kind of a miracle that they got as far as they did anyway. Um, so like, what if we, what have we learned about the Suns? Like, have they just been as good as they should have been? Or is there something else here? Listen, it's not a disrespectful question because we're not taking any way, anything away from the Suns. We both think they've built a great team. They've earned their series wins. Listen, if anyone knows about injury luck in the playoffs, it's Chris Paul, right? Like he's had bad playoff losses. He's also had playoff losses where he was the only guy healthy on his team, only star healthy, etc. You know, he's seen it all. And I'm glad that he's having breaks go his way uh, at this point in his career because he's had a lot of breaks go the other way. But you hit the nail on the head. We don't know. I mean, you brought up the Chris Paul injury. That's another reason we don't know. I mean, that Suns-Lakers series was, like, gibberish. I mean, like, first Chris Paul is hurt, so we don't know if the Lakers are actually this good, right? I mean, the Lakers were laughing at him, and Chris Paul could barely shoot. We thought he was going to maybe miss the next game. Right. Then things totally flip on their head. Chris Paul looks like his shoulder, like he got the, you know— he flew to Wakanda on Bob Iger's private jet and got the vibranium arm, and now he's good to go. And all of a sudden, Anthony Davis gets hurt. LeBron never looked right in that series. And now they play a Nuggets team that is weakest, where the Suns are strongest in the backcourt. I think we both think the Suns are really good, and I think we both think they can win the, the title, especially with the way injuries are shaking up. Everywhere else in the league, I mean, they're really the only team that hasn't missed a rotation player at any point, especially with all the teams left. I mean, DeAndre Hunter's out for the Hawks. Uh, the Sixers dealing with the Embiid scenario. Serge Ibaka. Uh, the Jazz of, Serge Ibaka's a big one. Uh, the Jazz have missed Mike Conley. I mean, the Suns have been pretty healthy, even with the Chris Paul injury. So I think we both think they can win the title, but do we know how good they can be? Not really. I, I will say that, uh, you know, some people have thrown out the Suns is like the title favorite. I still think healthy Brooklyn, unfortunately, was inevitable. Um, but yeah, I, they're a mystery, and that's just been the nature. I think that speaks more so to the nature of what this postseason has been like than the Suns specifically, because there's just been injuries all over the board to every team across both conferences, etc. But yeah, it's it's hard to get a gauge on how truly great the Suns are just because of how weird this whole playoffs has been. So to me, I think the individual pieces that I was a little um, questioning have Mm -hmm. answered my questions. Um, Mm -hmm. So even, even with the injuries to me, yeah, they are definitely a title contender. They can definitely win the NBA championship. Um, Like Nikola Jokic was 100% in this series. And, DeAndre Ayton's defense and offense and the way he pressured him on the other end too. Um, I mean, what more could you ask for? Honestly, like he totally stepped up, um, played out of his mind, to be honest with you. I was not expecting him to, I was expecting him, I should say, to be in foul trouble throughout the series, to need help in the, on the post um, and in the block when he was defending Jokic, um, to need help even when he was trying to to guard Jokic on the perimeter, and he didn't. 
And so for him to average it's, 33 minutes a game um, is incredible to me, honestly. The, so the, shout out to him. The Aiton, the Aiton thing is so fascinating because even three years ago, I mean, when he was drafted, I was like, why would you take a center number one in the way the game is being played now? And it's fascinating how post-Warriors – the centers come back a little bit. Like you kind of need a really good big again. You can't just play five smalls always. You know, some teams require whatever, but he's been so good, man. His energy on both ends of the floor. I mean, I thought he was, when Anthony Davis was healthy, I thought Aiton smoked him in that game one. Like he had a mm-hmm. way better game. And, you know, <laughs> I wrote about this earlier in the playoffs. Like there's always going to be that, Oh man, he went number one in the Luca draft, but that doesn't matter anymore. The fact that he's contributing on this level in the playoffs, if you can draft a guy like that, then that's great. And they should be happy about that because he's been so good. I mean, he's held up against AD and the MVP. Like, like you mentioned, his activity on both ends of the floor, like demands so much attention. It's, yeah, it's going to be fascinating if and when he gets a big max deal and what that could mean for the team moving forward, et cetera. You know, that opens up a whole new set of questions. But him and Devin Booker, too, who I think mm-hmm. for a long time was he just, you know, can't play defense, et cetera. What, what is all this going to mean in a postseason? The two of them have been, yeah, man, lights out. To have your young center in his third year, yeah, in his third year, Embrace this role that requires so much sacrifice, Mm -hmm. um, that is so limited in, you know, relative to, I'm sure, how he wants to play um, and the number of touches he gets and all that. Um, You really can't say enough nice things about it. And it's wonderful to see. Um, Rohan, we are actually a little bit short for time today. So we will hit uh, the Clippers Jazz Series um, in a later episode. Um, Until then, uh, you know, I, I. all of our wonderful listeners, thank you so much for the emails. Um, again, they were fantastic. I would love to hear questions specifically from our readers about um, that Clippers Jazz series, which is still going on, and it is very, very, very interesting, as well as the Kyrie situation, as well as everything going on with the Bucks that we discussed. Give us your thoughts about um, Coach Bud, um, the whole gamut. Um, we did. All, we also didn't really touch on the other series, um, Hawks, Sixers. So yes, we will also take questions dealing uh, with those two wonderful teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, so please send in your questions, your thoughts, everything, your criticism of Rohan's hat um, to uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much once again for listening and for supporting the show, everybody. Uh, stay safe and continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zip. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.